That's it. I hope that doesn't put a squash on everything else because it does, it does aggravate me to see those kind of things. Well, as we continue in our series in Philippians, uh, perhaps you've been seeing or noticed, I hope you've noticed, that there's been one word that's been in the title so far. Confident. Confident. I believe Philippians is a book to tell of the church in Philippi that they should be confident. Remember, Paul began by saying about, listen, don't worry about them Judaizers, Judaizers, the ones who tell you you got to add to your salvation. Why? Because we, he says, we are the circumcision. We are the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, confident in who we are and in who God is and what God has done for us. Today, it's going to be about being confident in compliance. And I jumped ahead. Don't, don't change the slides yet, Emily. I just messed Emily up beyond belief. But about being confident in your faith. I read a quote this week on Twitter because I decide who I want to follow and what I want to look at. Um, Paul Tripp writes this. He said, Whatever captures and controls the awe of your heart and mind will shape and control your desires, choices, decisions, and actions. And that's really true. Is that just not true? Whatever captures and controls the awe of your heart and mind will shape and control your desires, choices, decisions, and actions. That's just true. Take an athlete, for example. I watched the old timers game for the Mets. Those are people who have were captured by baseball, and everything they did was dedicated to it, and it paid off because they were in the major leagues. Whatever captures your awe, your heart and your mind will shape your life. They'll capture it because you're confident in what you're doing. Another quote I saw this week is from Kevin DeYoung. He says, we are called to live now in the present, present confident of what God has promised in the future. I would add to that, actually. We are called to live confident now because God is with us now and because of what God has promised in the future. I'm not trying to correct Kevin DeYoung. I couldn't even hold a candle to that guy. But I want to talk today about confident compliance. Confident compliance. Now, the word might bother you, compliance, confident compliance. But God calls us to obey, to obedience. We'll see today that we can have confident joy, confident disposition, confident rationale, and confident cogency. Let's stand as we read God's Word. Our text today is found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be, na- be, no- be known to all, to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you absolutely give us everything that we need for life and for godliness. And so, Lord, we pray as we talk about confidently complying to what you demand of us, Lord God, that it would bring joy to our hearts and hope, joy and hope, Lord God, because that's what we have in you. We have hope and we have joy. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. When you think about confidence, you could sum it up in what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now, it doesn't use the word confident there, but it certainly is a verse that exudes confidence because he says, uh, be steadfast. If I'm going to continue in something, I have to be confident of the path that I'm going down. Immovable, I'm confident this is the right way. I'm not going to change from it. Abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That I am confident that God will reward me. In looking at the Oxford Dictionary, confidence is defined as this, a feeling of self-assurance arising from one's appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. Clarification, not the Bible's definition of confidence. Not the Bible's definition of confidence. A little, another in the Oxford Dictionary, again, another way you could define confidence is this, the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something. Firm trust. Now, that's much closer to the Bible's definition of confidence. Confidence for the Christian comes not from within, but from without. Namely, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bringing to fruition the plan of salvation in the believer's life from the foundation of the world. That is where your confidence comes from. Your confidence is what? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit did for you and promise will accomplish for you from before the world was ever created. And with that, Paul says you can have, again, confident joy. We already had a sermon entitled Confident Joy. This is the third time now that Paul says rejoice. He says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Where do we rejoice? In the Lord, in the Lord. Again, when Paul says rejoice in the Lord, he means the entirety of who God is and what He has done for you. Therefore, you cannot rejoice in the Lord without a doctrinally sound understanding of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. James Boyce says this, if you remember from our sermon, uh, Joyful Confidence or Confident Joy, it says, Joy issues from the nature of God and is intended to well up within those whom God's Spirit dwells. It is not external, it is internal. It does not hinge upon circumstances. So, your joy is dependent upon your internal relationship, your internal belief system in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. You say, I'm, I'm not going to be, uh, I can't have joy because 
X is going on or Y is going on. No, I have joy because of what has already been done for me and is guaranteed for me through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Joy is an internal disposition of the Christian because it is also a fruit of the Spirit. Remember the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. And if you remember when we talked about confident joy, we saw that knowledge brings joy and safety. Paul, writing in chapter 3, writes this, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Remember, we talked about the Judaizers and knowing who we are in the Lord and the joy it brings. But we could also say that knowledge brings joy and security. Do you have, are you secure today in your knowledge of who Jesus is? Are you secure in your salvation today? Are you certain beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you die, and you will, that when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, it is not going to be the worst day of your life, but rather the best day of your life? And if you're sure, what do you base that on? What gives you the right to say, I am confident because I know that I'm going to go to heaven? What gives you that right? If it's anything other than the person and the work of Jesus Christ, or as Alistair Begg would say, because the man on the middle cross said I could come. It's literally that simple. See, the disciples were sent out by Jesus. And they came back, and man, man, they were, they were so excited. They were, they were on a spiritual high. And they come back to Jesus, and they start telling Jesus all the things that they do. And, and you know, I almost wonder, like Jesus, like, of course you did those things, because I told you you were going to do those things. But they were telling Jesus, you know, we, we, can't, we healed the sick, and we this, and we, we cast even demons. They, 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 we cast out demons. And they were so excited about what they did, that they were losing focus of why they should be joyful. And Jesus stops them. And in Luke 10.20 says this, because this is the security that we should have. He says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Where is your source of joy? Is it because you know that your name is written in heaven? And if it's written in heaven, why is it written in heaven? Because you did something or because God, before the foundation of the world, did something for you? That's the correct answer. I hope you know that and you treasure that in your heart. That God so loved me that he gave his only son that I believed in him and I will not Where's your source of joy today? In the midst of a world, when you look, i be honest, I don't even look at the news. I don't watch the news anymore. I can't stand to watch the news. I look at uh, Fox News and CNN. I kind of go between those two because hopefully someone there I can get the truth uh, between those two extremes. Uh, that's about the extent of it. There's nothing joyful going on in this world. But that doesn't mean there's no joy. 
Believers should be walking around excited, happy. My name is written in heaven. Man. And asking people, is your name written in heaven? No? Why? Don't you want it? Share the gospel. We can be joyful in this world also, confident in our joy because of what God has promised. Paul writes this to Timothy. At the end of his life, he says in 2 Timothy 4.18, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his, king, into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. We were talking about Paul this morning in our discipleship class and, and, and his confidence and his certainty. And, and, and Alvin made the comment, you can't kill a man like that. And that's absolutely true. But wait, Paul was killed. Yeah, he was killed. He wasn't killed, killed. He was physically killed. But his confidence, his joy was in the fact that the Lord will rescue him from every evil deed and bring him safely into his heavenly kingdom. Is that your source of joy today, loved ones? You have such assurance in your heart that it brings to you joy in the midst of trials and tribulations. If you have confident joy, it will produce within you a confident disposition. A confident disposition. Paul writes this, let your reasonableness, reason, I can't even speak, your gentleness, probably your version says, be known to all. Reasonableness, epicases, pertaining to being gracious and forbearing. What's Paul, what, what, what's God saying to us? Hey, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I'll say it, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to all. Let your gentle disposition, if I'm joyful, doesn't it follow that I'm going to be gentle? Makes sense to me. I'm going to be reasonable. I'm not going to help people in their sin. I'm not going to enable anybody. I'm not going to let just sin pass by. I'm like, well, it's, you know, each to his own and all that, that kind of reasonableness. Rather, your gentle disposition. If I'm joyful because God was kind to me in Christ Jesus, therefore I can be gentle and kind to others. That's what he's saying here. Again, um, R. Kent Hughes writes this. He goes, The most immediate outward expression of a rejoicing heart is Christ-like gentleness toward all people, which necessarily involves the patient bearing of abuse. Now, let's be clear. If you are in an abusive relationship, get out. You don't bear it. Get out. But Paul is saying they were lived in a culture which is soon coming our way. I guarantee you that. Where you're not going to be able to escape it. and You'll have to patiently bear up under it. But you can even be joyful in that because this will soon be over. My name is written in heaven. God will safely deliver me from every evil deed and bring me safely to my forever home. Be gentle. Be gentle in your disposition. But it's also the idea of, as James Boyce says, the sentence is a warning not to be unduly rigorous about unimportant matters. That goes back to the two ladies. Hold on. Just, you know, it's a personal issue. Don't be over rigorous with it. 
be gentle about it. Hey, you say tomato, I say tomato. Who cares? Right? But literally, that kind of, that kind of sentimentality. I'm not going to make a big deal about it because it's an unimportant matter. One of the hallmarks of a Christian, which I know I have lacked severely in, is being gentle in tone and disposition. But confident joy coupled with a confident disposition produces confident rationale. You can think rationally. Paul, after telling them to rejoice, to let their reasonableness be known to all, says, you can be rational. Why? You can have this kind of rational. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Boom. The Lord is at hand. Wait, the Lord is at hand. How is the Lord at hand? What's Paul talking about here? Is the Lord at hand and that His coming is soon here? Or is the Lord right here, right now? Well, I believe it's both. I think it's absolutely both. The Lord is our present help. Do you have joy because you know that the Lord is your present help? He's a help right here, right now. Is the Lord your present help? Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. Psalm 46, 1. God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You know, sadly, for most of us, we call upon the Lord when we're in trouble. We call upon the Lord when times are good. When things are going well, when the bank account is full, when health is going well. Oh, God is our ever-present help right now. He's near right now. Rejoice. Be glad. Be confident in your joy. Be confident in your disposition of gentleness. The Lord is at hand right here, right now. And the Lord is at hand that is returned is soon here. The Lord is our future hope. Paul had already written to the church. He says this, Remember, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that those great ones in the hall of faith, Moses, Abraham, were looking forward to a city, not building their own life here, but to a future city whose builder and maker was God. I'm living for that time. I'm living for after my death, not before. How many of us live for before our death? Not even considering that I need to worry about after my death. How am I going to live after my death? What am I doing now to ensure that after my death that I have treasure in heaven, as Jesus said? Is my hope in what God will do on the great day of judgment? Remember, quite a while ago now, we talked about living for the line or living for the dot. Between my birth and in my death is a line. And my death is a dot. And that begins my real life. Do I live for the line or do I live for the dot? 
If you live for the line, it's death to your soul. Living for the dot is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's why Paul says in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything. But everything in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known, made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a present help and a future help together. The word anxious is merimineo. It means to have an anxious concern based on apprehension about possible danger or misfortune. How many of us walk around anxious? Is it wrong to have anxiety? Is it a sin to have anxiety or to be on medicine for anxiety? No, there's real chemical imbalances. But if you are suffer from anxiety and you're always worrying about what will be, ask God to help you train your mind to what is. What is the reality? That I am firmly in the hand of my Savior. He's going to deliver me from every evil deed. He's going to bring me safely to Himself. He's an ever-present help in the time of trouble right here, right now. Jesus says this in John 16, 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Do we really believe that Jesus has overcome the world? We have confident rationale. When things go haywire, can I stop and think and go, all right, let me think about this for a second. This is happening, this is happening. This is the reason it's happening. It may be my fault. It may be something that's done to me. But either way, what can I be confident of? Jesus has already overcome this. Jesus is my peace. Jesus has the answer. I'm not going to find it by running around going crazy, making myself crazy and those around me crazy because that never leads to anything good, but rather taking time maybe going into your closet and seeking God and say, God, I need your peace. I can't do this. God, this has to come from outside of me because I cannot work it up in myself. It just doesn't happen. It comes from outside ourselves. Jesus says, I have overtaken, I have overcome the world. Paul tells the church, goes, and the God of peace will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. How often we try to guard our own heart and mind. Well, I'm going to read this book, or I'm going to, ooh, I'm going to make this change in my life, and I'm, ooh, I'm going to invest in here, and I'm going to... Those things may be good, but I tell you, they're not, they're not going to last. Because guess what? Wall Street? Jesus is going to stand at the grave of Wall Street. Bank of America, Chase, Wells Fargo, all of them, wherever your retirements are and all those stuff, they're all going to fail. They're all going to go to the way to the side. They're all going to burn. Does that mean you shouldn't invest in anything and let's go hang out on a mountain and wait for Jesus? No, that's foolish too. That's stupid too. It'd be nice if it worked out that way because we could all go to Wyoming. Um, but, yeah, I know, I know, I shouldn't have died. I know, I know, I know. All right, Montana. I'll, I'll settle for Montana. Um, but it's a matter of where we are every day and how we're thinking. 
yeah, life's not good right now. Life stinks right now. But you know what? It doesn't mean I have to be a jerk. But I can be gentle in my disposition. I can still have joy. You know what? And God has given me the ability to think correctly. It really should be Christians who are the best thinkers, the most rational, the most wise thinkers, because we have, what? The mind of Christ. Who thinks better than Jesus? Nobody. But He gives us the mind of Christ. And we were able to evaluate, look at us, and say, hold on, let's, let's look at this. Let's take a moment. What's true and what's not? And when I do that, I can, as Jesus says, take heart, thrasso, to have confidence and firmness of purpose in the face of danger or testing. Jesus says, take heart. Because why? The God of peace will guard Fuhureo means to guard, to detain, to confine, or to watch, or to watch over. The idea there, the word picture is that when you're anxious and things are going crazy and, and you're, and that happens in life, that when we come to the Lord and we begin to say, you know what, I'm going to be joyful, I'm going to be gentle, I'm going to be rational, what happens there, the picture is that now, the, 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 uh, is the idea that now you can picture Jesus standing over you, guarding you. He's watching you. And so when the flaming darts come in that you may be unable to, He will. But you actually will be because if you're joyful and you're confident and you're rational and you're gentle, that itself extinguishes the flaming darts of the enemy. Jesus will guard He'll watch over you. What an amazing picture. It's like the shepherd who at night would put the sheep within the pen, and it says the shepherd used to lay at the gate. They were completely safe and free within the pen. So whenever the sheep decided to go out of the pen and say, I want to do my own thing, that they were in danger. And even then, Jesus would leave the 99 and get the one. Jesus will guard He'll watch over you. He neither, sleep, he, he neither slumber nor sleeps. Isn't that a great word picture? He neither slumbers nor sleeps because he's God. But because he doesn't slumber or sleep, you know what he allows me to do? The Bible says he grants sleep to his righteous ones. Because he doesn't sleep, I can. What did, what, how great is our God? We should be joyful. We should be confident. Confident in our joy, in our disposition. Confident in our thinking. And that produces for us confident cogency. Cogency. Maybe you're saying, what the, what's that word even mean? It means lucidity, clear thinking. Be able to think correctly. Paul uses now six adjectives and two nouns to describe the kind of clear or cogent thinking believers should have. Listen to what he says. Finally, brothers, I think it's like the third time he said finally. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, 
whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So hold on, let me think clearly about this. What's going on? What's happening? Well, hold on, let me, let, let's go over what's true. Is this true? Yes. Is this not true? No. Okay, let's, let's kick that one out. Is this honorable? Is my thinking going to lead to the honoring of the other person or of Jesus Christ? If not, kick it out. Is it just? Is it, well, the quote of fancy, a great word today, is it equitable? Is it right? No. Kick it out. Is it pure? Is my motive pure in this? Is what I want to think and do? Is what I want out of this pure? Or am I, you know, am I kind of, you know, shading it my way? Nope. Okay. Get rid of it. Is it lovely? Yeah. Get rid of it. Is it commendable? Well, people say, oh, that's wonderful. Not only will people say wonderful, will God say that's wonderful? Is it excellent? No, you know, it's kind of halfway. No, it's not excellent. Get rid of it. There's anything worthy of praise? Think about these things. Only the Christian can think this way. Only the Christian has the ability to think this way because it's thinking that comes from the Holy Spirit who illumines our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus and allows me to think God's thoughts after Him. How often in Scripture we're told, guard your mind, be renewed in your mind. Your mind, your mind, your mind, your mind, your mind, your mind, it matters. But it's not just getting my thinking straight. What really what Paul is saying here, what the idea is, hey, when you're in a trouble, when things are going squirrely, Things aren't going right when the diagnosis comes and all those things. What you need to do is recall to mind what is true, what is honorable, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is commendable, what is excellent. If it's worthy of praise, think about it. That doesn't mean I just think about all the good things and neglect all the other stuff. Let me think about what's right. Recall to mind what God has done. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one and see what God has done, which will translate to what God will do, right? Because God does not change in His nature. His promises are true, and they are for you and they are for me. Paul's, remember we talked about a while ago about Epaphroditus and Timothy, these extras in your life? Paul now puts himself within the extra category. He says, it may on the surface seem arrogant, but it's not. It's confident in who God is and what God has done and what God is doing in him and for him. Paul writes this. Listen, think about these things. And let me. And if you're having a hard time, let me give you this good picture. 
Whatever you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. It's Philippians 4.9. Whatever you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Well, that makes it a whole lot more tangible, doesn't it? Yeah, Paul, I've seen you. I know you. I, I see how you act in these situations, and I'm going to practice that. I'm going to copy that, and I'm going to practice that. And Paul says very confidently, and the God of peace will be with you. This is a guy who's been shipwrecked, beaten many times, in prison, in and out, stoned and everything, and he says, and the God of peace will be with you. How is the God of peace with us? Is the God of peace with you? Paul writes to the Philippians earlier. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How can I know? How can I put these things into practice? How can I do them? Well, I need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Oh, wait, I got to do something? You just told me it's, it's not something within, but it's something without. Yeah, that's right. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. It's God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So God puts within His his children the desire to think correctly, to act correctly, to be confident in their joy, confident in their rationale, confident in their disposition and their rationale and the way they think for His good pleasure. I'm trying to communicate, and I hope I did, is that you can be confident in a world that lacks confidence. You can be absolutely rock-solid, steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord because it's His work. It's what He has done. It is He who empowers you. You cannot do it in yourself. I cannot do it in myself. You think I come up here on a Sunday morning and this just flows out of me? You're nuts. You think it flows out of John? Think it flows out of Len or Mike? No, it doesn't. John, am I wrong? Or is it John, does it just, you just, whoo, just, just pours it right in and next thing you know. And I'm not saying that to this, but you see, it's God who does this stuff. This is God. No wonder we would say, speak, O Lord. Lord, you have to speak. Yeah, it's me. Get past me. I got to do everything to make sure you get past me. And I failed miserably at that many times. But it's Jesus. He's the one who's, he's the one who's working you. He's the one who's empowering you. He is the one. Be confident in who your God is. Be confident in what he's calling you to. Move forward unmovable, steadfast, abounding in the work of the Lord. As Paul said earlier to the church in Philippi, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And even when it seems the flood is overwhelming and the darkness seems to be so severe that it's coming in. Even Look at, we read Psalm 40 this morning. Doesn't David paint a picture of it's just coming over me? It's just, but what? No, I got I to gotta fix my mind. 
I got to change the way I think. Yeah, this is real, but I got to think correctly. I can't let this determine how I think. David writing in the Psalms in Psalm 27, 13, we'll leave off with this. Yet I am confident. I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Let's not translate, I will see the Lord's goodness to the Lord's deliverance. It may be, may not be. But if I am confident in who God is, and I believe that He exists and He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, then I can be confident that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living in the fact that the God of peace will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus today, tomorrow, on the day after that, on into eternity. Are you confident today, loved ones? I hope that you are. It's my prayer. If you're lacking confidence... We ask that you make an appointment and talk with us. We want to encourage you in what God has done for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. We thank you for the confidence that we have in Jesus Christ and that he just sets our life straight. Oh, Lord, help us to, to align our lives with you. Help our joy to be confident. Help our disposition to be confident Help our thinking, our rationale to be confident, our thinking to be confident because of who you are and what you've done and what you will bring to completion. For the glory of your name, we ask it. Amen and amen. Let's stand. Let's close in a song. The message about confidence is fit to close singing a, a verse and a chorus. That's an assurance song that we sang earlier, but we'll do it a cappella. So let us sing to him. All my attempts to be satisfied were vain and empty until the moment you rescued me and your love filled me my soul sings now my soul sings what blessed assurance i found in you i found in you i won't be shaken i will not be moved how steadfast your strong hand is keeping me is keeping me I won't be shaken, I will not be moved. What blessed assurance, what blessed assurance I found in you, I found in you. I won't be shaken, I will not be moved. How stand.
steadfast. Your strong hand is keeping me, is keeping me. I won't be shaken. I will not be moved. Oh, blessed assurance. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Be blessed.